Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. We'll go ahead and get started. Uh, This week, you can thank Janet Garrett. Um, She requested for a song called When He Was On The Cross. Um, I went to look that one up. And uh, that is not in my hymnal. In fact, several of the songs that you guys asked for are not in my hymnal, the book that I was reading. So I've had to, I've looked, looked it up online. I do want to say that this is not a hymn. When he was on the cross is not a hymn. It is just, it's a Southern gospel song that was written. Um, it is interesting. The hymn that we, we, research or what we talked about last week um onward christian soldiers that song was written in haste but it was written with a need in mind for the the children marching to and fro um same concept here with when he was on the cross um this song was written um with a particular need in mind but it was written in haste it wasn't written over time, like several of the other the, the other hymns, the other songs that we had discussed, um, this one was written by a fellow by the name of Mike Payne. Uh, he was born in West Virginia in 1953. Uh, in his earlier years of songwriting, what he would do would he would change lyrics of popular secular songs tunes, and what he would do is he would add. Christian lyrics to these tunes. And so uh, his trio that he had, the Mike Payne trio, um, when they appeared, they sang a lot of these songs. He would sing songs like, I Can't Stop Loving You, by simply changing the lyrics to reflect a Christian message. All right. One day he met a songwriter um, who composed his own tunes, and he thought that um you know he's like that's probably something that i could do so he started in 1986 he wrote and they sang a song called angels step back that was uh, at the time was the most played southern gospel song that was in 1986 some of you may know that song or um janet if you don't know that song uh that is another song written by the same guy angels step back so check that one out let us know what you think uh, in 1983, Mike Payne, he, he talks about the encounter. This is kind of where he gets in the story. Now, this uh, I found this history from the Singing, um, singing News, the Southern Gospel News um, magazine. They're online. 
If you're into Southern Gospel, check that out. It's called The Singing News. Anyway, uh, this was a conversation that they had. And they were asking him about this song. And basically what he says, here's how this song came about. Uh, in 83, his group was trying to release an album called I'm a Jesus Fan. And he was searching for a particular song. He wanted a slow ballad. Um, he threw out several different ideas. This was going to be like the theme for the album, the theme song, the main song. Um, he had several different ideas, but nothing really seemed to click. Uh, the night prior to the song or the recording, he and his wife uh, had gone to Shoney's. Uh, raise your hand. Uh, give me the clappy hands if any of you know what a Shoney's is, if you've ever been to a Shoney's. I don't even know if they're still around, but uh, I've been to one or two of those Shoney's. So uh, this went down at a Shoney's, all right? When he was on the cross, the idea for this song came about at a Shoney's. What he did is he ran into a fellow by the name of Ronnie Henson. All right, those of you who know Southern Gospel probably know who that guy was. I sat down, he was having a conversation with him, and he was telling him that they were going the next day to um, record, into the recording studio to record a song, but that he was looking for a, a particular song. Uh, he said, he says, I have an idea about the theme for the song. He says, basically the theme is when he was on the cross, he was thinking about me. He continued to say, he says, um, as, there you go. He, um, as Ronnie was given thought to the phrase, I continued. Uh, what I want to say in the song is, when Jesus was on the cross, he saw those standing around him with their need. But he also looked into the future and he saw me. I was thinking about me and my need. Ronnie said, well, instead of saying when he was on the cross, he was thinking about me. Why don't you just say when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. So this, this, um, the title of the song is, comes into existence, sitting at a Shoney's, speaking between two Southern Gospel fans, right? Um, so what happens then is Ronnie and uh, Mike, they head back to the motel room uh, while his wife is trying to sleep. They're, they're, they're writing up the, the lyrics for this song. Right? They're coming out with the verses and the chorus and they're humming the tune and, and they work on this all night long. They wake up in the morning, um, they share it with the wife, she loves it. Um, Ronnie states at, the, at one point, he says that, uh, um, that he's going to pitch this song to the Florida Boys. If you don't know who the Florida Boys, you need to look them up because that's, that's an amazing group. I don't think they're still in they're still together anymore um, but i love the florida boys the florida boys are, are a really good group all right um so mike Payne gets up his group the the mike Payne trio they record this song at um oddly enough at a place called hilltop studios in the suburbs of nashville all right so they record when he was on the cross in their new album uh, Ronnie Payne or Ronnie goes forth. He pitches the idea to the to the song to the Florida Boys. He tells the Florida Boys, "says This is going to be your number one song, and it will also be the song of the year." All right. He's really great, really into this. So it goes on to the "I'm a Jesus fan." It moves forward. Um, the Florida Boys end up taking this song. The Florida Boys record this song. 
And this song becomes, for the Florida Boys, the number one song on the charts and was the song of the year in 1985 and 1986. This is the first ever song that Paul Payne or that uh, Mike Payne had co ever co-written. Um, so he and Ronnie had come up with this chart topper, this this big song that was, although it was hastily written, there was a heart, there was a need for this. And listen, God can work long term. And God can work short term. And these last two songs that we've spoken about last week and this week, um, Dad said that they retired. So uh, we have where even though it seems like it just flows out of nowhere, we have an inspiration to where God really moves in a moment, a, a, a quick fleeting time to present us and give this this song. Um Mike Payne is a tremendous writer, says that he has written over more than 280 songs, approximately 80% of them recorded or published. All right, so Mike Payne is the guy who wrote this song. Uh, he co-wrote that with um, Ronnie Henson. And even though the Mike Payne trio recorded this song, it was actually made popular and big by the Florida Boys, who was who's an amazing group. All right. So, uh, Shoney's, all right, uh, good deal, good, uh, good songs can come across a good table of food, right? Um, so, what I want to do is I kind of want to just, I, I know that's all lighthearted, but the song in of itself, now listen, it's a short song, I expect it to be a whole lot longer. There's only two verses in a chorus, that's all that I could come up with. I couldn't, I've looked all over, I can only find two, uh, two verses and a chorus, all right? But the words, the words in this song are just absolutely amazing. And so I want to kind of just walk through a couple of points here about this song, something that this song kind of teaches us, um, this great gospel song about how unworthy we are, but how much we are loved. So if you will turn your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, slide your popcorn to the slide a little bit. Let's open up the Word of God. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 5 through 9. I'm going to be kind of a little bit a little over the place, but this is going to be the base of where I'm going to stand, okay? 5 through 9 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, for scarcely, for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Can I just say amen? Listen, I, I want to look at, at a couple words right here in, in these verses. In the very beginning right there, we're called ungodly. We are called sinners. Um, we are 
saved from wrath. We are unworthy creatures, people. We are not worth the Son of God. We are a bottom of the bottom ungodly sinners. See, we have the ability to think awful highly of ourselves. We lift ourselves up and, and to be quite honest, this is the reason why we have churches dying in America today. Because those who call themselves Christians have decided they don't need the house or the church that God built. They have decided that they, we are good people because we believe in Jesus Christ. That we don't need to serve God like we are called to do. See, we have no ability to make our own righteousness. Or do we have the ability to work towards our own forgiveness? Lost in our ungodly lifestyles and living as sinners daily. You see, we need to take ourselves down a couple pegs and realize that I am a sinner saved by grace. I don't care how high in this world you build yourself. The works, Paul says, are as dung. Christ says we are ungodly, we are sinners, we are uh, um, saved from a wrath. We have no claim to his kingdom or even the right to ask for forgiveness. Our egos build us greatly up thinking that we are these great people worthy you know, it's sad that that we actually, sometimes we get to the point that think that, that Christ has to love us. That we deserve, we deserve his grace and his mercy. How dare he not give the great Trevor Wilson. When I pray for something, why doesn't he give it to me? He should be right now giving it to me. I deserve no, no, I don't. I don't deserve anything from Christ. What I deserve is everlasting lake of fire. I deserve hell. I don't deserve cross the, the cross. I don't deserve the work that Christ did. I don't deserve his forgiveness. Psalm 51.5 tells us that we were shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me from birth i am unworthy i was shapen in iniquity as i was being born as i was as i was growing in my mother's stomach i was doing so in iniquity i did nothing to earn salvation or Christ for forgiveness. First John 3 8 says, He that committeth sin is of 
the devil. And, and I want to pay real close to attention to that verse right there. I want you to mark that down, highlight that, circle that. 1 John 3, 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. We are sinners, like I said, from birth. By no fault of our own, from, from as one man sinner to the earth, we grow, we follow the devil in sin. Even after salvation, our sins, we are constantly fall to the characteristics of the fallen world of this God, of this world. You see, it says that he that committed sin is of the devil. That is not a characteristic of God, a sinful person. It cannot be. So, as a before we are forgiving of forgiveness of our sins, we are of the Father, the devil. We are a worker of his. As a believer in Christ, as a person who is forgiven, we still fall short of the glory of God. We still retain those characteristics of the devil of this world. You see, just because we are forgiven of our sins, it doesn't mean that we aren't to be asking forgiveness for the sins we continue to make. Now, I'm not teaching here that you lose your salvation. Oh, no, our God is more powerful than that. But we are so unworthy that we should constantly be willing and begging for his forgiveness for the sins we live. And if we sit here and say we are without sin, what does that say? Well, we are made a liar. Because our father, the devil... He that committed sin is of the devil. We still carry those characteristics. We still sin. We still live a lifestyle that is not fulfilling to God. If we're not serving God the way we're supposed to be, if we don't have a prayer life like he calls for, if we don't have a, a Bible reading, if we're not studying his word on a regular basis, you know, if, if we're making excuses for not being at the house of God, then we are not living the lifestyle that God calls for us. You see, we should be better. We should come out of this, this situation stronger and ready to serve God. It is sad, and, and I made it, I was talking about this on Wednesday night. You know, there we, due to these watch parties of our church services, we are sharing the gospel with more people now than we were when we were actually going to church. How many of us, and I don't need anybody to raise their hands or clap their hands, but I wanted to honestly think, and I want to honestly tell you, we put our services up on, on YouTube. How many of us actually on Monday morning or Tuesday when, when Kelvin posts those or when Brother Bob puts them up on the website via uh, uh, the audio, how many of us actually share that? How many of us actually encourage our family, our friends that follow us on Facebook, that, are, that, that see our feeds? How many of us actually tell them, hey, pastor spoke a great message this morning or, or yesterday morning. Won't you take a time to, to listen to this, to watch us? No, we don't. But now all of a sudden that we're confined and in our homes and unable to leave, now that the church has spent the money on building the, the, the structure that works partial most of the time, some of the times without technical errors. Now all of a sudden we're starting watch parties and we're sharing the rest of the world with our church and Hilltop. And now we want people to hear about our pastor. Why is that just happening now? Why was that not happening prior to the stay-at-home order? Why does it take a virus to lock us down? You know why? Because we are unworthy of God's grace. And sometimes when we don't even think about it, we're not the proponents of sharing the gospel that we want to try to pat our backs 
for. We have friends and families that are dying. No matter how smart or rich or famous that we think we are, no matter how great our talent is or state in life, we are all unworthy. I don't care if you're an amazing speaker. I don't care how great you are or, or how great you play the piano or you sing. If, if you do it for yourself, you're not doing it for Christ. And that's not going to earn you a spot in heaven. See, we are unworthy. And that's what the song, when he was on the cross, is about. So unworthy. You see, we don't deserve anything. We got to get it out of our heads that I can work for it, that I can build it up, that I can pay for it, I can atone for it, I can do all of this to make our God happy. No, we can't. Because we are unworthy. Isaiah 64, 6. This is, I want you to pay real close attention to what he says here. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, All as unclean thing, all righteousness are as filthy rags. Our iniquities have taken us away. The whole verse says this, but we are as un, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. That's what he thinks about it. It's what our righteousness is. As filthy. Andy and I. Andy's car has been leaking oil. <coughs> and antifreeze. All right, it's a 1995 car. Right, that happens sometimes. Well, it's gotten a little bit worse. So we crawled up underneath there. He had a hole in his, in his oil filter. And his top radiator hose was coming off. And it was leaking. So uh, we decided to pull some of them hoses off. Andy put on a work shirt, crawled up underneath the truck, and he sh he's jerking on this hose trying to get it out. He comes out from underneath this truck, and from here to here, he is covered in antifreeze, right? He's learning the idea of what it's like to try to point the hose away from you when you're trying to break that lower radiator hose loose. He rolls out from underneath this truck and he takes his car off and we throw this thing to the side. That is not a rag that we are going to clean and the wife is going to take back upstairs and it's going to be a perfectly clean towel that we use. It is a filthy, dirty rag that is thrown in the corner that is used for oil and grime and, and muck and it is... It is something that if we even wash, it will continue to be a worthless throwaway rag that sits in the corner that we think nothing about. And that's what he says. He says we are as filthy rags and we do all and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So we, we have no control. We are just flesh and bone with no ability to lift ourselves to any heights or to earn salvation. We are unworthy. We are as filthy rags. We are ungodly. We are sinners. But when he was on the cross. So when we get back to our verses. It reads. It talks about in, in verses. Those same verses that talk about how we are sinners. And how we are ungodly. It states. He tells us. That he died for us. But all. For when we were yet without strength, in verse 6, in due time Christ died. See, we talked about the ungodly, but here we got Christ died for us. 
in verse 10, it tells us, for if when we were enemies, there's another one, we are considered an enemy of God. We were reconciled. We were reconciled by God. See, we are, he died for us. He reconciled us. And then we go on down to verse 18. Now, I know we didn't read that, but therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men, the condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. A free gift of grace. We were reconciled. He died for us. You see, when he stood there on that cross and he looked down and he saw those around when he was born, he came every moment Christ spent on this earth. He did so for each and every one of us. For those of you listening today, Christ died on the cross for you. For those of us who are listening later, Christ died on the cross thinking of us. He didn't come down here because he was bored and had nothing else to do. He came to die on the cross so that we could be reconciled so that he can offer the free gift of grace to all. Every lash taken by the cat of nine tails, every moment on that cross, every thorn that was pierced on his skin, all the blood that drained down from his eyes, we was on his mind. See, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it, 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 same sentiment, the same thing over Mark 9.13. I'm sorry. In Matthew 9.13 and in Mark 2.17 and Luke 5.32, it says why he came. Christ came for the rich people and the super important people so that he can gather up all his money and build a big extravagant church and reign supreme, right? That's why Christ came. So he can have golden idols all over the place for himself, right? No. It says, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, he didn't come to call the mighty. He came to call the sinners. That is you and I. That is every single one. Based upon the scripture, it says, as by one man sin entered into this world, I was shapen in iniquity. We are all sinners. We are all ungodly. And yet he came to call us to repentance. He came as a babe wrapped in a swaddling clothes. He grew as a teacher, hated by his peers, taught the disciples, and suffered the agony of the cross, thinking of us at every moment, every waking hour. Even as a young child, he was teaching in the, in the synagogues, thinking of us. Why? Because we need Jesus. See, if we could do it on our own, then there was no reason for him to come. If we could work our way into heaven, then he died on the cross out of just sheer joy of God watching his son die. No, he died on the cross because you and I are worthless sinners who need his free gift of grace poured out on that cross, thinking of you and I. What separates our Christ from all the other so-called deities? What separates true Christianity from all these other religions around the world? This very last one right here. Because he loves us. He was thinking of us because he loved us. He loves you no matter the life you have lived or the life that you live now. 
we continue in our verses over and over. Verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God. See, it goes on in verse 8. But God commanded his love toward us. Grace is not offered by those who don't love the, the recipient. Mercy is given to those who are loved. Listen, I'm not going to give grace. I, my human nature tells me this world acts this way. Of We don't give our grace to people we can't stand. People we don't love. You see, he died on the cross because he loved us. He saw that we needed redemption and we needed a perfect um, offering, a perfect sacrifice. And he did that because he loved us. Because he loved us. 1 John 4.19 and this is, this is super important. 419 says, we love him because he first loved us. Listen, we couldn't earn something that was a free gift nor earn something if he first offered it. Think about that. We can't earn it. It was offered to us before we loved him. We didn't like him. We couldn't stand him. We, we had nothing to do with him. We weren't, we weren't even born yet. And he was offering us this free gift. How can I earn something that I wasn't even alive for when it was freely given? How can I earn something that I didn't even know I needed as I was living as an unworthy, godless sinner? I can't earn that. He loved me so much. I cannot pay for it or work toward the love that Christ first offered me no matter how no matter who we will ever be remember that on that cross the cross that he bled and died on he did so thinking of our eternal security not what not what he would gain but what we would gain that cross is the most horrific thing that he ever had to endure our God, our Savior, come from heaven above, living next to God the Father in heaven. Came down on this earth. He suffered as a child, suffered as a human, suffered hunger and tiredness, suffered sadness, suffered pain. He went through all of that because on the cross, we were on his mind. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you and each and every one of you. Jesus loves me. Jesus doesn't care the lifestyle that I used to live, currently live, or may live down the road. He doesn't care what you did, do, or will do. We can't earn it. We can't build it. We can't pay for it. It was given to us for free. He just calls us to repentance Turn away from who you are now. Listen, brother and sister, I'm begging you today, live for him because he died for you. And that's what this song, that's the heart that came from Brother Payne 
as he wrote this song. This was the idea that he had as he wrote this song. This song that Miss Janet loves. And trust me, I love this song as well. This is a great song. I know it's not a hymn. But it's a great song about a savior who looked down and seen a, a group of people that he created for his glory turn on him, blaspheme him on a regular basis. And he looks down there in so much love that he is willing to die on the cross to pay for the sins of each and every one of us before we were even born, before we even knew we needed him. All because he loved us. Song goes like this. I'm not on an ego trip. I'm nothing on my own. I made mistakes. I often slip. Just common flesh and bones. But I'll prove someday just why I say I'm a special kind. For when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. The look of love was on his face. Thorns were on his head. The blood was on his scarlet robe, stained a crimson red. Though his eyes were on the crowd that day, he looked ahead in time. For when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He knew me, yet he loved me. He whose glory makes the heavens shine. So unworthy of such mercy, yet when I was on the cross, I was on his mind. <laughs>